0: We believe in functional mental wellness, a holistic approach to mental health. We know that there's hope for those of us who have experienced trauma, even profound trauma, and that's why we created The Universe Is Your Therapist podcast. We believe whether you call it God, the universe, source, unity, or love, that there is something much greater than us that conspires for our good. We envision a world of healing and connection, and we teach you simple but powerful practices that integrate your mind, body, And spirit, so that you can come home to your highest self and your truest identity. You are not broken, you are loved, and you can heal. My name is Amy Hoyt, and together with my sister Lena, we will take you on a journey of healing and self discovery. Welcome back to another episode. Today's episode, we are so excited to welcome an Emmy Award documentarian, Eric Christensen to our show. And we're so excited to talk to him about his work. It's very heart-centered and his latest film, which he is promoting Unmasking Hope. And it centers on recovering from trauma and building resilience and that grief process. So please help me welcome Eric to the show. Hello, welcome back. We are so excited to have Eric Christensen here with us today. And Eric, thank you for joining us. It's so wonderful to have you.
1: Thanks, Amy. I'm I'm excited to be here and chat with you.
0: Absolutely. I was very intrigued when I read about you and asked you to come on the podcast with your work as a documentarian and how... Your projects seem to be very heart centered. And I was wondering if you could kind of talk about how you choose your projects and what draws you to a particular topic.
1: I, I laugh because it's, it doesn't feel like I have a choice. <laughs> and I mean that in a good way. They find me. I mean, I, I found this calling almost 30 years ago when my home burned down in the Painted Cave fire disaster in Santa Barbara. And, uh, I was I was editor and filmmaker, I've been making films since I was eight years old. And uh, my work was very different before the fire. And then after the fire, I'm like, oh, I I should make a movie about this experience, because it was very unique. The survivors could speak to other survivors, but it was very difficult to communicate the whole experience to outsiders. And um, that's, that's how this whole thing started. I did a film called faces in the fire. And it was about that experience of surviving a disaster, but it was about the recovery afterwards. And it won my first uh, Emmy Award, but more importantly, it uh, was picked up by the National Institute of Mental Health and put into their catalog to help other survivors. So that, it kind of found me. You know, that, that fire turned out to have a very big silver lining for me. And now, 30 years later, I'm working on my fourth film, Unmasking Hope, and uh, as I say, they just kind of find me. It's been a logical progression of films since I did Faces in the Fire.
0: That is wonderful. And I love that. What, uh, I think what that speaks to is how those experiences that we now as a society know are what we call trauma, that those can really reshape us. And not just in ways that are maladaptive, but also ways that are adaptive where we can take what we've learned in that experience and use it to reach back and, and help other people.
1: I'm a huge believer in that. And I believe in any sort of tragedy, trauma, or even inconvenience that we're faced with that somewhere after that, we're faced with a, uh, a fork in the road. And we can either go down the, you know, the entropy uh, road and, and just uh, become full of ourselves and, you know, the pity or we can turn and go into where we can really uh, use it to help others because of what we went through and uh, we can reach out because of that experience, because of the experience that we had.
0: Absolutely. And I find looking back at my own life and some of the hardships that have happened that sometimes I start down the pity road and then I think, Oh gosh, I got to get off this road, right? And I got to hop back into some of the gratitude of for the lessons and some of the ex- learning experiences that those provide for me.
1: Um, oh my gosh, so so true. Because you know, I, I was just listening to myself say that, and it seems like it's so. Oh, it's A or B. Well, I'm sorry. There's a lot of gray area in between those two, and and we kind of vacillate in between both both places you know that's human nature and 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 hopefully you don't beat yourself up too badly you know during that but uh it's just all part of the process
0: it really is it is a process and i think what you're speaking to is having self-compassion when we are maybe going down that pity road a little bit and sometimes i feel like when i am going down the pity road The more experience I have with hardship and building resilience, which I know we're going to talk about because of your film, the quicker I'm able to get back on the other part of my journey that I I feel more gratitude in and I feel more expansive in. But there are are also lessons on the pity path, right?
1: (laughs) You know, without the hot, I guess you would say, we don't know what cold is, you know, until we put our hand... In the fire, we don't know what, you know, how comfortable it is to be in the in the cooler. So we we need both of them, and it's just it's just a way I think God set things up so we can um, uh, have a fuller breadth of experience.
0: I agree. Tell me, what are some of the lessons you learned personally from that first um, that real pivotal experience of the the fires?
1: Oh my gosh. I mean, it, it, you know, you know what the big thing is I learned is you can start over at any point you can just start over. And, uh, you know, I was, I was not having a, I didn't have a social relationship with alcohol and drugs at that time. (laughs) It was a little bit beyond that, uh, before, and it, it brought and and that fire really brought things to a head. And, uh, I just saw it as a point in my life where I could kind of start things over. So, you know, I, I, I kind of had a clean slate. So, you know, the thing I've learned is you can start again anytime, you know, and uh, I got clean and sober and I changed the kind of films I was making, you know, uh, everything changed.
0: Yeah. Congratulations. That is really wonderful. I um, was just cleaning out a closet actually this morning and my assistant and I came across all of my medallions from AA because I've been in the program for, you know, 20 some odd years. And she was saying, what are these? I'm like, Oh, let me tell (laughs) you, because you know, you end up turning into a different person after years and years of sobriety. And um, thankfully uh, she doesn't know that part of me. Um, And she just gets to know the functional, adaptive, sober part. So I love hearing stories of sobriety. And when we are, our heart is changed and we um, are really awakened to a a higher purpose. I think that's just so beautiful. Thank you for sharing.
1: I've been, yeah, I've been friends with Bill W. now for a, 31 years not to blow my anonymity. So if my sponsor hears this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's beautiful. Oh, And tell us but, what, what's kind of gravitated you towards the topic of trauma, would you say? Um, I know, you know, when I was getting sober and even in the beginning of kind of healing my own stuff, that wasn't really in the vernacular. That wasn't really a word that we used a lot, um, but it's definitely gained in awareness. And I would love to know and have our listeners know kind of how you became more aware of that as a, as an actual topic and how you kind of decided to do your new film,
1: Unmasking Hope. Oh, my gosh, you hit, you hit on so many things because this, this word trauma has gotten to be such a catchphrase. And I have to tell you, my first film, Faces in the Fire, I called it a grief recovery film, sure. because it, it it's about grief, and um so, you know, uh, yeah, the vernacular has kind of changed, and uh, starting out as a as in grief recovery. You know, I, hold on, I'm sorry, I start my I, I lost my train of thought there. So can we? Yeah, Uh, you can you can edit this. Right. Can you feed me that again? Because I I was on a good run. And then I, I I, I short circuited on that. Yeah, just start over. Okay. Yeah. Could you feed me the question again, please?
0: Yeah, let me remember. I do all this off the fly. Um... I know.
1: (laughs) But we're talking about we're talking about trauma. And oh, how did I? How did I? Stumble across trauma as a subject. Trauma now is like
0: used as an actual word. And back then it wasn't, but it's, but now this film actually centers on like post traumatic growth and so forth. So, yeah, kind of talk to us about that.
1: You know, actually, that's a great question. You hit on so many things there. Is trauma has become quite the buzzword. And my original film, Faces in the Fire, over 30 years ago, I really conceived it as a grief recovery film. And, you know, how, how I came to work in trauma or grief, um, I understood it. You know, I think from what we put ourselves through, at least some of us folks in recovery, I put myself through a considerable amount of trauma. Not only the fire, but the one, my own punishment by drugs and alcohol. So I understood the trauma. I understood things like that. But I also understood recovery. So, it was an amazing gift of empathy I had for other survivors, uh, be it trauma, any kind of trauma. You know, with my film now, I'm working with 9 11 survivors, mass shooting survivors. You know, after Faces in the Fire, I did a film called Homecoming, a Vietnam Vet's Journey. And uh, that was the first time that I really dealt with direct kind of. PTSD and trauma with those Vietnam vets. But I came to understand and empathize with them and their road of what happened to them and their road to recovery. And I made the film, that was my second film, Homecoming of Vietnam Vets Journey. So uh, again, it was just kind of put in front of me. But I also have the gift of the empathy and the understanding through my own experience you know, because one of the biggest uh, compliments I've ever received was after one of the screenings of my film, Homecoming of Vietnam Vest Journey, a vet came up to me and goes, you know, are you a veteran? And I said, no, I- I'm not. He goes, then how do you know? So there you go. You know, it- it's it's a gift.
0: It really is. And I feel like that empathy breeds um, almost a intuition for for pain, but also it sounds like for you, you've really channeled it into hope as well. And as I was looking at your body of work these last few days and just kind of thinking about it, what I see is um, a pattern of highlighting hardship and highlighting hope and redemption, if you will, um, recovering from it. And that is... I think such a beautiful message and that's something I feel so strongly about that people can heal. We are not stuck where we are. Progress is ever going and there is always, always hope. And so that just speaks to me so deeply, your work. And I really appreciate that, that theme that I see throughout it.
1: You know, thank you so much, because it, it's a big effort on, on my part. But something that you said is so interesting is empathy has intuition towards pain, you know, and empathy is doesn't come without dangers. It, it doesn't come out. It doesn't come without some sort of sa- sacrifice. But on the other side of that sacrifice to empathize with somebody, you have this connection and this awareness of their experience. And then you can bring about together by just understanding, by just hearing their story, you can offer an individual hope. You know, part of, the, part of the process is just being able to tell your story and tell the truth to somebody that cares. And, and that's part of my process. When I'm interviewing these people, they know. I mean, I truly care. I'm not, at that point, I tell all my crew members, I go, you know, number one is transparency with these people, and number two are the people and their experience, then, by the way, we're making a movie, you know, and so when you put that first, and you come there in a kind of a sacred setting to hear this story that sometimes they haven't told anybody else, you know, it it, it reflects to them an importance of their experience. And then it goes to that thing that you were talking about, that hope. And hope is 80% of all my films, or more. You know, it's always funny when I get to the first cut of the film, you know, the incident, all the, you know, especially with this film, 9-11 and the mass shooting and, and the sexual abuse and the, I have another veteran in this one too. And and the whole experience in Iraq, it, 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 it's like, it's like this much of the film and the film's like this long. I have to take that and I crunch it, crunch it, crunch it down because it's not really about that. It's about what happens after that. But, you know, we have a tendency to want to watch the spectacle and be there and, and be part of this, you know, this, you know, car, you know, what, what, what's that you crane your neck to look at the rubber necking.
0: Yes, the but car. We cut, rubber, that,
1: yes. we cut that down and then we get to the hope. You know, we get to the healing and we get to that process and we get to the empathy.
0: Yeah, well, and I think that mimics true life when we have a traumatic event, it is a sliver but that sliver lives on in our mind as much larger right but the reality is the aftermath where we're actually working towards resilience we're going through that grief process where we're working on finding the silver lining that's actually the bulk of the work that's actually the bulk of the experience but in our our brain keeps us a little bit stuck until we can move through that trauma and start healing. So I think your film is really mimicking the process that we go through. Um, when we experience something hard, it looms hard, but then it's like, we gotta, we gotta go, you know,
1: that, that is so true. And, and, and fortunately though, with (laughs) a lot of us, you know, it's up here that, that keeps us stuck, you know, and, uh, I, I have an amazing, um, uh, Expert in the film, uh, Dr. Catherine Shear out of Columbia University. And she talks about prolonged grief. She's a grief expert. And she talks about being stuck in grief, you know, and not being able to progress. And there's actually, uh, uh, you know, a definition for that, which is prolonged grief. And uh, it, it's just, it, it's not being able to grow past that. And so, you know, unfortunately, some people have difficulties being able to get into the hope and get moving ahead. And, uh, but it's so important to try to reflect these stories of people moving ahead, people finding different, so many different modalities of healing from their grief and from, from trauma. Trauma is just an incident. Grief is something that lasts for a long time.
0: Exactly. Tell me if you would, what has struck you most with these different events within the film what have you seen that's really been helping your subjects heal?
1: Oh, I mean, that's, that's two things, two things for sure. It's number one. And we, and you and I know about this. Number one is finding your tribe. It's like, Oh, there is somebody else that has went through what I went through. So I don't seem as crazy as I thought I was because they went through the same thing and they're doing the same thing, you know? And but it's very, very important to connect and find your tribe. Somebody similar, somebody that's went through a similar experience. Number two, it's it's the biggest. I would say it's the jet engine to recovery is when you help somebody else. Is uh, there's a there's a woman in my film in Unmasking Hope. Her name's Molly, and she not only went through one mass shooting. She went through two mass shootings. She thought, oh, well, I've been pre-disastered. This is never going to happen again. I go on with my life. Well, I'm, she was in, at Borderline, and she was there during a second mass shooting. And so her recovery has been very difficult. But she was found by, a, she found an organization called Given Hour, started to get counseling. And then uh, she got to a certain point of healing where she said, you know, I can help some of these people. I can, I can become a peer counselor myself and her healing just skyrocketed. As soon as she went out there, uh, it, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier is using what happened to us to help somebody else. And that is a sure way to get on from zero to 60 on your recovery is to, as soon as you have enough under your belt to go help somebody else.
0: Yeah, and I love that. You know, we see that in recovery programs where we volunteer to help people that are not quite as far along on their journey. We see that in uh, religious organizations. There's a lot of volunteer work. We see that in community organizations, and I love that you're highlighting service as a way of healing because, for me, that's been extremely. Um, beneficial and extremely effective in healing tell us more about given hour i'm really intrigued by given hour because this is amazing
1: well i'm i'm excited to be uh named uh, a given hour ambassador and uh, i I came across given hour when i was doing my film searching for home coming back from war and uh, they're an organization that uh uh, works with uh but at the time they're working with veterans and they would have clinicians donate an hour of their time for th- free therapy, so given out hence given an hour, and so they offer free therapy for people that have went through trauma and, and various things PTSD and things like that. And so um, when it came to unmasking hope, we reached out to them again, and uh, they were more than excited to partner with us, which was a huge honor. And as I say, they they offer. Um, free counseling services to people that went through trauma. They came into the um, Route 91 borderline shooting and offered counseling through uh, a couple other agencies they work with, and uh, they work with uh, veterans. They also have a um, uh, side to them, Change Direction, which is about reducing stigma of mental health situations and mental health illness. And so why do we have an outreach partner for a documentary film? It's because they're able to take our message of the film in very real ways into community. And it also takes the message of the film to the people that really need it. But it's kind of like I say the film is a doorway to healing and our outreach partners that we team with is the safety net. So people, when they're activated i don't use like to use i don't even like to say it trigger uh, that's not a appropriate word anymore uh i call it activated so when people are watching the films and they're activated they have some place to reach out somebody the clearinghouse someplace to go to so they can find more information to seek out their own healing
0: i think that is so wonderful and so um what is the word I'm looking for? It's so um, caring of you and it, and it reflects what you tell your crew that this is people first film second. And so that also reflects that, that people are first. We don't want to open those wounds without giving them a lifeline. Um, And so I love that given hour is able to do that with this film and with other, um, organizations and tell us a little bit more about how our listeners will be able to view your film. Um, any other information that they can access any of your work would be great.
1: Well, I'll give you a couple URLs, a couple of websites. Uh, first is unmasking hope, the movie.com. And uh, you can go there and just uh, get updates also on Facebook and Instagram um, and that will kind of lead you to where we're going to be having our premieres and things like that. Uh, we, we were supposed to release in October, but uh, our distributor, Nita, loves the film so much that they kind of want to ramp into it. So the beginning of the year, we will be having our premiere on public television. So you can actually... You know, call your public television, your local public television station, or email them and say, "Hey, I heard about this mil- uh, movie on Masking Hope. I hope you're going to be carrying this." And uh, for me to find out just kind of what ha- is happening with me and my other films is ECProductions.com, and you know, importantly also is GivenHour.org if you want to see what they're doing, and they also have a resource pages for my film. For people uh, that are uh, affected by uh, sexual trauma, uh, trauma, um, mass shootings, all sorts of different resources for that, too.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you so much. I did have another question that I've been mulling over because it's something that I think about quite a bit. How How does spirituality, I know you mentioned God, how does that factor into the work that you do?
1: I'm glad you mentioned that, that it's, it's a huge part of my work is, you know, people, they ask me all sorts of questions. How do you find the survivors that you work with? Or how did you come up with this? Or how did this, you know, um, God is my producer. I mean, I've, I've, I've learned to rely on kind of a spiritual workflow. And when people first uh, kind of start working with me, they think it's kind of unorthodox. You know, it's, but I can't explain how I can shoot an interview four years ago and then all of a sudden have to, you know, uh, you know, just last month I go shoot something else and dah, 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 and all this stuff. And then I bring it back in the edit suite and it works just like it was uh, pieces of a puzzle fitting together. You know, I have to do the work and I have to do the footwork. But as I say, you know, God's kind of orchestrating this. So it's, it's a big part of my process. And my and my personal spiritual base is a big part. You know, my, my spiritual condition. Um, I have to take care of my spiritual condition when I'm working with such a sensitive, you know, subjects and uh, and and also telling these people's sacred story. There, there's nothing more special than to send the rough cut out to say Jack Delaney, who was a 9/11 first responder. And have him get back to me and go, "Thank you so much. You st- you know, you told my story, the way it was supposed to be told, you know." And and that to be able to reflect their personal stories, is, is a huge thing. And so that goes back to me being um, semi spiritually healthy.
0: That's wonderful. You know, um, I led research in Africa for about five years, and we um, one of my teams we went into Rwanda and we worked with um, post genocide women and we actually talked to them about spirituality and religion and how that factored into their healing and it was it was critical and it and it's ongoing of course but one thing i am really i feel so strongly about is that we need to highlight the benefits of a spiritual program in healing and that doesn't have you know we know from recovery that doesn't have to be religion it it can be anything it is a power greater than yourself and um so I've been looking in the, you know, the scientific literature for the last few years about it and it's all there. We just have to start talking about it a little bit more and not being afraid to to broach the subject, you know.
1: You know, and in my 30 years of doing this, 31 years, you know, I, I just I, I pray for all the people that I work with and I have I have my particular beliefs. I, I never push them on anybody they see by my actions, you know, how, what I do. But I also know that, you know, the solution is always for me, spiritually based, you know, I I just, um, and I I just, as I say, I I pray for the people I work with, and the people that have some sort of spiritual basis in their recovery, you know, they I, I feel they have a big advantage.
0: I see that too in my own work. So thank you for answering that question. I just, I think that's the question of my life that I obsess over is this, this intersection of hardship and spirituality and how we can use both really to build, to build resilience and to build hope. Cause I think there's so much hope and your work shows not only me, but so many others that there's hope from hardships that we haven't gone through um, but you highlight some things that I think most of us are really afraid we would go through, or think we couldn't survive that. Um, and you're highlighting that there is hope, and I I want to thank you for that. I think that's a really important message.
1: Well, thank you. It's it's a huge honor to be able to do this for for the last thirty years, you know, and as I say, beyond my fourth film, and uh, be able to reflect these sacred stories of these these amazing people, you know, and, uh, and it's, you know, it's, it comes down to so much. It's like, people call it great grit. You know, it's also faith it's believing in the unseen and, uh, you know, I can be delivered from this and I hope my film serve that purpose as a little bit of a reflection of people being able to see other people going through these things and then aspire, to, you know, gosh, if if they can survive nine eleven, if they can survive two mass shootings, and you know, I, I think I think I have a I think I have a chance and be happy, you know.
0: Exactly. Not just survive, but eventually start to thrive. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I can't thank you enough, Eric, for spending time with me today and for um, gifting our listeners with your experience and your knowledge. And I've really enjoyed our conversation. So thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Amy. It's It's been great. Now I get to get back to my studio and, and finish the film. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> now we're putting all the finishing, finishing touches on it. We're very, very excited. It's wonderful.
0: We will look for it um, on public television and we will link all of the URLs that you gave us in our show notes for all of our listeners. And again, thank you so much. Thank you, Amy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to go deeper on this subject or any other subjects we've covered in the podcast, we are so excited to be launching our signature membership program at mendingtrauma.com. This is a trauma-informed mental health membership where we combine clinically effective practices, courses, and mentoring while putting you in the driver's seat. We teach you how to heal your trauma with the latest research combining mind, body, and spirit. We want to walk you through a healing journey while also empowering you. If you have felt this episode is helpful, we would absolutely love if you would go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your pods and give us a review. We'd also love it if you would share it with someone you think it might help. Tag us on social media at mendingtrauma.com or at amyhoitphd. We would love to reshare. And also, if there's anything we can do to help, we would love to hear from you. Email info at mendingtrauma.com. Give us your suggestions or topics you want to hear about. We would absolutely love to be of more service to you. We're so excited because we have so many good episodes coming up in season two, and we can't wait to go on this journey with you.